You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah 30 in your Bibles, we're continuing our series, and I want you to see in verse number one, we'll start this chapter, Jeremiah 30. It deals with God's judgment on the heathen, but also God's judgment on his own people. And I want to remind you that God does judge sin. He judges sin for several reasons, but one reason is because he is a holy God. Now, that's hard for us to wrap our brain around because we are not a holy people. We try to be. We strive to be. That ought to be our goal, and we've been commanded to be holy, but we will never reach a status uh, on this earth. We'll never reach a status of sinless perfection, but that is God's status. He has never sinned. He is perfect. He's never even made a mistake. He is holy, and because of his holiness, he must judge sin. Not only is God holy, but he is also just. God does not allow sin to go unpunished. And many times you look and you say, uh, you know, we're trying to live right. We're trying to do right. And it seems like that the world and the, the heathen and the, the godless people, it seems like they're getting away with it. Well, I want to tell you, they're not getting away with it because God judges sin. He is just. But not only that, God can judge and God will judge sin because he is all-knowing. Now think about that. Your children, my children, they may get away with some things because we didn't know. We didn't find out. You say, how do you know that? Because I was a child and I got away with things that my mom and my dad did not find out about. Now, if your parents are in the auditorium, you do not have to raise your hand. But how many of you know what I'm talking about? The rest of you, you got away with stuff, right? Can I tell you? God has never allowed or never has there been anything that has slid under the radar that God did not know. He is all-knowing, and because he knows everything, he can and he will judge. Not only that, but God is all-powerful. Nobody's going to gang up on God. Nobody's going to unite and, and, and form a front that God cannot punish. God is all-powerful. I want you to look. We'll go back to verse 1 in a minute. I want you to look at verse 7. We see in verse 7, we see a name for the tribulation period. This is prophecy. Of course, this is Old Testament. But yet, the prophecy is given of an event that will happen in the future that we know as the tribulation period. Now, how many years will that time period last? Seven years. And in Jeremiah 30, that time period is called the time of Jacob's trouble. Interesting. We'll look at that in a moment. And we see that God's people, they were in trouble. But this wasn't the kind of trouble you get into because you make a mistake or because it was an accident. This is the kind of trouble you get into because it's self-inflicted. This is the kind of trouble you get into because of your sin. This is the kind of trouble we get into because of our 
foolishness and our wickedness and this time of Jacob's trouble God deals with in this chapter. Notice verse 1. It says the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us. Help us not to miss these truths from your word tonight. I pray that you would uh, uh, speak to us and open our minds and open our ears and open our hearts that we might be receptive and that we might be helped by the powerful, wonder-working power of the Word of God tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to see, first of all, that Jeremiah is once again preaching, and he is preaching the Word of the Lord. Now, uh, Sunday night, we'll have the ordination service for, uh, for Brother Caleb. And Brother Caleb, as a, a young man, and as he's been in the ministry now for several years, but as a young man, he'll be ordained to the gospel ministry. You know what every preacher's responsibility is? The responsibility of a preacher is to preach the word. You, you never get to a point, a preacher never gets to a point in his ministry that he gets to start preaching his own thoughts his own ideas, his own philosophies. Can I tell you, if, 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 and God forbid, but if I ever stand up here and I ever say, you know, we don't really need this, I got some other ideas, you ought to find a church that preaches the Bible because that's the only thing worth preaching, that's the only thing worth listening to. And Jeremiah preached for almost 50 years. And you know what I love about Jeremiah? He just kept preaching the word and it wasn't popular. As a matter of fact, he didn't have any converts. He didn't have anybody that was patting him on the back. He didn't have anybody who was coming to an altar. He didn't have anybody that was writing thank you notes. He preached the word and people hated his guts, but he did not stray from preaching the word. Let's not get away from God's words. Let's stick with the word of God. Verse two, Jeremiah tells us that the Lord spoke unto him saying, write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. Now that's significant because aren't you glad that we have a Bible, we have a written word of God. It's not just passed down by word of mouth. Uh, now there are some things that you can remember. It's funny, I was telling Caleb a story today. I was telling him about an ordination service that I attended as a young man. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget what was said. I told him word for word what was said in that ordination service when I was a boy. That was about probably 30 years ago. I remember it. But I only remember one part of it. There's a lot of that service I don't remember. There are a lot of things that happened yesterday that I don't remember real well. Fellas, I'm brave tonight because my wife is in with the children. Fellas, there are things that your wife has told you in the last four hours that you don't have a clue. And that's not because she didn't make it clear. It's because you weren't listening, right? So this is not God's word that we just heard from somebody, that we heard from somebody. God wrote it down and he gave it to us 
in a book. So when we read the Bible, there's no mistake. These are the words of God. I am so thankful that God has given us a copy of his word. He commanded Jeremiah. He said, write it down. Get it settled. Get it recorded. Get it established. I don't want there to be any question about it. This is my word. By the way, there's a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, of benefit to writing things down. I, and I know you have computers and you can do stuff all electronically. But you know what I think every family ought to do? I think every couple ought to do, every adult ought to do, every teenager probably ought to do, is you ought to write down what you believe. Write it down. Don't rush it. Take your time. Use the Bible. Use Scripture. Pray about it. Make sure that you uh, know this is what God says. Write it down. Get it settled, figure it out, and then here's the great idea, and don't change. Stick with the Bible, no matter what everybody else is doing. No matter who comes and who goes, stick with the Bible. Jeremiah wrote it down. God said, write it down. He recorded it. Verse 3, the Bible says, for lo, the days come. This was now prophecy. The days are coming, God said, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. Aren't you thankful for the promises of God? Jeremiah is writing to these people, and they're going into Babylonian captivity, and they had to have been depressed, and they had to have felt defeated and discouraged, but Jeremiah said, hey, God said the day is coming that God's going to bring you back and God's going to rescue you and God's going to save you. And I'm glad that we've got some promises that we can cling to. And you know why we know it's true? Because God said it. And if God said it, you can mark it down. Verse 4, these words were concerning Israel and Judah. So these words have to deal with not just the southern kingdom of Judah, but also the northern kingdom. Remember, those kingdoms were divided. After Solomon, Rehoboam took the throne, and under Rehoboam, the kingdom was divided. And Jeroboam, he took the northern kingdom, and Rehoboam, the southern kingdom, and the northern kingdom went into Assyrian captivity about a 100 or so years before Judah went into Babylonian captivity. And... Israel may have seemed forgotten, but God said, I've got a message for my people. I've got a message for Israel, and I've got a message for Judah, and I have not forgotten about them. Verse number five, this message was not good news. This message was scary. This message was a message of judgment. Verse five, for thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling and of fear and not of peace. Ooh. <laughs> you know, this is where the preachers of today, the, I shouldn't say the preachers of today, some preachers today would say, we got to skip that part. That's negative. People aren't going to like that. People aren't going to come back. So let's cut that out of the sermon. But Jeremiah says, I got a message for you. You may not like this one, but there's judgment coming. And there's trembling and there's fear and there's no peace. And verse 6 Ask ye now, and see whether a man doth travail with child, 
Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. Now, for you, for you men, and I know we joke about it, and we say that uh, when a baby is born, how, oh, how hard it is on the, the men, and how, you know, pacing back and forth, and how nervous, and I think we all understand that's a joke, Okay. Can I tell you, the pain that a woman goes through to bring a baby into this world is like nothing else you could ever, ever experience or compare to. But here's what Jeremiah says. He says, the men, he says, they are experiencing pain and anguish and travail like a woman who is giving birth to a baby. He said that the faces are, are pale. Uh, it looks like they've seen a ghost. It looks like the life is taken out of them because verse seven, alas, for that day is great. Now we use the term great as, oh, it's gonna be a great day. Oh, it's gonna be a great week. Oh, it's gonna be a great time. But that word great doesn't mean just good. That word means it's going to be severe. It is going to be devastating. And this great day, it says, so that none is like it. Now think about that description. When Jeremiah says, this day of the Lord that is coming, there is nothing that even compares. The Jews had experienced Pharaoh in Egypt, but this day coming didn't compare to that. The Jews had experienced or would experience Herod killing all the babies, but this day was far worse than that. The Jews would experience a Holocaust with Hitler, but that would not compare with this. The Jews went through wars and they went through famines and the Jews went through hard times. They went through times when they were under the persecution of, of those in their, uh, that ruled over them. They were right now going through Babylonian captivity. But God said, this day, this time, is worse than anything you have ever seen. It says it is even the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, what was another name for Jacob in the Bible? God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And so when it says the time of Jacob's trouble, God is saying, Israel, this is a time specifically aimed at you. Now, you say, well, well, what's that all about? Well, God had promised that he would judge his people for their sins. Probably the last thing that was really on the, the timetable before we, I say on the timetable, the thing that would be the latest on the timetable before the tribulation was recorded for us in the Gospels. John chapter 1. The Jews have been waiting for a Messiah. They've been waiting for a Savior. They've been waiting for a King. And God promised through the centuries that He would send a, a, a Savior. And He sent His own Son. And what did the Jews do? With God's own son. They crucified him. It says in John 1 that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But the Bible says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Jesus came unto his own, and they rejected him, and they crucified him, and they killed him, and they said, we don't want you. Because of that, God has promised that he will judge sin. God has put the nation of Israel on a shelf, so to speak. He is not done with his people. He will deal with his people. But that has not yet taken place. That will take place. God will deal with his people during the tribulation period. During those seven years, it is a time where God deals with his people specifically. But I want you to notice, now that's bad. That's not good. But I want you to notice the end of verse 7. The last phrase says, But he shall be saved out of it. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how bad the situation is that you're going through. We have a God who is able to save us out of that situation. You don't believe that? Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego about a hopeless situation when they are airborne going into the flames of the fiery furnace and they thought their life was over, but their life wasn't over. They were about to have one-on-one with Jesus in the fire. And he was able to deliver them in the fire. Ask Daniel about the lion's den. Or ask uh, 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 Tyler about Colton and Hunter, you know, the, the, the ferocious lions coming to get him. Ask Daniel, is your God able to deliver you out of the mouth of the lions? Daniel said, oh, king, you better believe it. He came and he sent his angel and he shut their mouths. Hallelujah. God can save us out of whatever it is we're facing. Ask Paul and Silas in the jail. Can God get you out of the jail? Oh, you better believe he can. Ask Moses what happens when the Egyptian army is chasing. God can save you from that army. Ask David when faced with Goliath on a battlefield. Ask David, hey, can God deliver you out of your situation no matter how bad it is? The answer to that is yes, but he shall be saved out of it. Praise God for a God who delivers and a God who saves. Verse number eight, it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck. I will burst thy bonds and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king whom I will raise up unto them. You know why God wants to break the bondage of sin? You know why God wants to break the yoke of sin from your life? Because he doesn't want you to have to serve the devil. He doesn't want you to have to serve yourself. He doesn't want you to have to live in bondage. He wants you to be free so you can choose to serve him. Verse number nine, they shall serve the Lord their God. Brother Gibson talked about it Sunday morning. We don't serve God because we have to. We serve God because we get to. In the Old Testament, in Exodus 21, uh, that, that, that servant, he would fulfill his time, but he'd go back to the master and say, I love my master, and I am giving my life to serve this master because he's been good to me. 
Boy, I hope we'll keep on giving our lives to serve God because he has been so good to us. God wants and God deserves our service. Notice verse 10. Therefore, fear thou not. I don't know if you needed to hear that on a Wednesday night at the end of October in the midst of a pandemic, uh, six days before an election. But that'd be a good thing to write on a piece of paper and stick it on the fridge and say, I am not going to fear because God is in control. God, God's, God's got it all figured out. Therefore, fear thou not, O my servant Jacob, saith the Lord, neither be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't be depressed. Don't be down in the dumps. Notice what he says for uh, the uh, verse number 10. For lo, I will save thee from afar. You may think that God is a long ways away. You may have gotten a long ways away from God. And you may think, you may be looking on the horizon thinking there is no help in sight. But guess what? God doesn't have to be in sight to help you out. God doesn't have to be within arm's reach to be able to bail you out. God can save you no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter how bad it is. God is a God that will save. Hallelujah for that. He will save from afar in thy seed, your children from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return and shall be in rest and be quiet and none shall make him afraid. Now, that's, that's all that was happening in Jerusalem now. They were fearful. Nebuchadnezzar had made several sieges against Jerusalem. He had taken several waves of captives back, and they lived every moment in fear. They lived every moment in uncertainty. But God says, when you're trusting me, you don't have to fear. You don't have to be dismayed. He said, I'll save you. And he said, I can give you rest. I can calm you down. I can quiet your spirit and I can give you peace and nobody will make you afraid. Verse 11, for I am with thee, saith the Lord. Boy, it's good to know that we don't have to fear, but it's even better to know that God's with us. It's good to know we're not alone. He said, I'm with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Now, there are some times where we will take someone with us for maybe it's a trip, maybe it's for a visit, uh, maybe if you're uh, going to court and you got to walk in that courtroom and you say, I just, I need somebody with me and that person can't do anything physically to help you, but that person is there for moral support, right? That's kind of nice. I kind of like that sometimes. Just knowing somebody's there makes you feel good. Or sometimes somebody will just go along for the ride, right? They're just there. They're not helping. They're not contributing. But having them with you helps. Can I tell you, God's not just there for moral support. He's not just along for the ride. He's able to save you. He's able to help you. He's able to deliver you. He has the power that you need for whatever you're facing. It says, I am able, uh, I'm with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee, though I make a full end of all nations, whither I have scattered thee. Yet will I not make a full end of thee, but I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. Now, this is important. 
Because what God is saying is, and during the tribulation, God is going to judge Israel, but he is also going to judge the nations of the world at that time. And God is saying, you may think because I am wiping everybody out, you may think that you're going to get lost in the crowd. You may think that you're going to be destroyed because I'm destroying everybody else. But God says, I might make a full end of them. But that's not going to happen to you. You're going to be safe. Remember the story of Rahab from the battle of Jericho? And remember those spies said, now if you'll have this, this, uh, this scarlet uh, uh, rope, if you'll hang that out your window, when the city of Jericho is destroyed, you and everybody in your house will be safe. Now, I think that's an even greater miracle than the fact that the walls came down is that all the walls came down except for her wall. I think what's more of a miracle is everybody else in the whole city got killed, but she and her family were spared. And that's the way God does it because God cares about you as an individual. And he knows where you are and he knows what you're going through and he knows how you're feeling and he knows your struggles. And we, we, have, we have tried, I promise you this, and, and for you folks here, I hope you know this, and for you folks listening, we have tried as a staff, we have tried to do everything we possibly can during this time to be sensitive to the needs of our people, but also to be obedient to the command that God has given us to preach and to uh, glorify the Lord and to proclaim Christ and to build the church and to reach people and to keep the missionaries going and keep every, all the ministries going. We have tried. And we were talking this last week. We were talking about some different situations. And you know, some of our church members are in very, very difficult situations right now. They are with their health, with their responsibilities, with their work. With, with restrictions that have been placed upon him, we have got a lot of people in very tough spots. And we've tried to consider all those things. But we haven't considered every situation. You know why? We don't know every situation. You haven't told, uh, maybe some of you have, but folks listening, you haven't told us. Uh, we don't know what you're thinking. We don't know what's going on in your mind. But God knows. And isn't that amazing to think that God knows every struggle. He knows every burden. He knows the things you've not told to anybody else. He knows. And God says, I may judge all the nations. I may wipe out all the rest of the crowd. He said, but I'm going to take care of you. And I'm glad for a God that is able to take care of us. I want you to notice in verse number 11, he says, I will correct thee in measure and will not leave thee altogether unpunished. Now, here's what's amazing. What God is saying is, I'm going to correct you and God can correct us and God should correct us because we are his children. Sorry about that. We are his children. And so... God corrects his children. If you are a parent in here, you correct your children. There may be other children that need correction, but that's not your job. It's not my job, but my responsibility is my children. 
And you say, don't you want to correct other people's children sometimes? Not really, because my need more time and attention than I have, you know, so I've got, my, I've got my plate full just taking care of my own. But God corrects his children, but he does it in measure. He does it exactly as much correction as you need. As a parent, I know there have been times that I have been too harsh. And as a parent, I know there are times I've been too soft. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Has that, that happened to you? Sometimes I, you know, oh, you know, whatever. And other times I'm like, oh, well, it'll be all right. But God has never done that. God has always given us exactly the correction, exactly the reproof, exactly the punishment that he knew we needed down to the very most minute measurement. God's ways are perfect. God's judgment is always right. I'll, I'll close with this illustration. But in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter five, uh, Belshazzar was having that party and he was worshiping false gods and he was defiling the vessels from the temple in Jerusalem. He had brought them into the party. He was using those uh, in his, his celebration and his wicked uh, heathen uh, uh, celebration he was having. And out of nowhere, Belshazzar saw handwriting on the wall. And it was a, a hand that was literally carving a message into the plaster of the wall. There was a hand, but there was no man attached to that hand. And boy, that would have been enough to say, party's over. We are out of here. Because if that hand is strong enough to carve in the wall, that hand is strong enough to come and get around your neck. You know, I, mean, I think I'd be out. But for whatever reason, they stayed. I think it was curiosity. They stayed until the writing was completed in the wall. When the writing was completed, Daniel came in to interpret. And here's what the writing said. Many, many tekel yufarsa, which was interpreted that Darius, uh, excuse me, uh, Belshazzar, had been found wanting. He'd been weighed in the balances and he had come up short. And that God had taken his kingdom and he had divided it. He had meted or measured it out and he had given it to the Medes and Persians, to Cyrus and Darius. And that writing in, in the wall was a reminder for all of us that God's judgment is always right. Nobody goes back and reviews God's cases and says, well, he missed one there. Oh, I made a little error right over here. Oh, no, because as for God, his way is always perfect. He doeth all things well. And that is talking now about judgment. But I also want to remind you that God doesn't just measure out judgment. He measures out grace. And he measures out mercy. And he measures out strength. And he measures out power. He knows exactly what we need. And he gives the exact correct measurement every time. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. 
May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.